You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Good morning. Welcome all the people watching online, on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you're watching it from. Your High Ridge family says welcome. Come on, you guys, give them a big warm round of applause this morning. So glad you could join us. Hey, click that chat button and let us know exactly where you're watching from. It's always a cool thing for us to see where people are getting this message. It's an awesome thing. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, grab your Bibles, if you would, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We're going to start a new series, at least this week and next week, called If We're Being Honest. If We're Being Honest. And so we're going to get honest in God's house. Some, some of us, I think, came here to say, okay, like I, I have a hard time being honest in God's house. This is the one house you could be honest in. Uh, because that's where you get some help, amen? I've learned this, that honesty goes a long way with God, and honesty goes a long way with police officers as well. (laughs) It does, honesty goes a long way with God. I remember when I was uh, 16, I just got my driver's license for the first time, and my dad let me drive drive his truck to the corner store. My my first girlfriend happened to be there. We'd been dating for a couple of weeks, and he's like, hey, why don't you take your girlfriend and drive my little, one of those little Datsun trucks, remember those little tiny Datsun, no air conditioning, like stick shift, you get young whippersnappers don't know nothing about no sticks yet. Back in the day, you had to use both of your feet to dry. Yeah, the Prindle was different. You, <laughs> and he said, hey, take this thing down to the store. You know, guys, go grab, grab some soda pop. Old people call everything soda pop. It's all Coke, Dr. Pepper, Sprite, no, soda pop. Uh, or it's all Coke, either one. Uh, grab this, go down to the store, take your girlfriend down there. So we're cruising, no air conditioning, got the windows rolled down. And uh, the sun had just set, and I'm thinking, you know, what would make this trip awesome if I could take her by Inspiration Point, which is a little place on the way back home. Uh, don't worry about it. If you don't know where that is, uh, you can imagine. It kind of overlooks, uh, in, in Fort Worth, there's a place that overlooks Carswell Air Force Base. It's a beautiful park that you can kind of sit out on the edge and that's where people go to talk, to hang out. And so we drive by there, I'm like, hey, there's this really cool place I gotta show you, you're gonna love the view, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I'm trying to do my, you know, my 16-year-old game. And uh, we pull up there, I wasn't there 12 seconds, and a cop pulled up right behind me, woo, and I'm, I'm just freaking out, because it's the first time I'm driving, and of course, I get pulled over, and so the police officer's like, hey, young man, what are you trying to do? I'm like, oh, I was, you know, she's new in town, I'm just trying to show her the, the view. And he just looks at me. I said, Honestly, officer, you know exactly what we committed to. I didn't even try to lie. He's like, get the little lady home. I said, yes, sir. Thank you. I I realize honesty goes a long way with the Lord and with police officers. Somebody say amen. Just tell the truth. Like, honestly, I saw a bum one time on the side of the road. He said, why lie? I need a beer. And I'm like, give that guy $5. Like, that's, I want to reward his honesty. Easy. He wouldn't lie to it. Anyways, we'll move on. I want to talk about honesty in the the specific context of Mark chapter 9. Let me read through this scripture with you if you'd like, and uh, I think we're going to find something that will really help us and encourage us today through the authority of God's word. So Jesus has just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration with with his closest companions. They've had this powerful moment with God. He comes back and sees that there is a, a, a crazy environment happening. There's an argument that has broken out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the disciples, and there's a crowd that's gathered around. And in the middle of that scene, as Jesus walks up, there's a father who has brought a demon possessed son to try to get some help. So in the midst of this desperate situation, you find an argumentative environment, and Jesus walks in trying to figure out what in the world is going on. So Jesus, it says in verse 14, we'll pick it up there. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and teachers of the law 
arguing with them. Somebody say arguing. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. And Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, what are you arguing with them about? That could be a life verse for somebody right now. That might be the next tattoo that you want to get. What are you arguing with them about? But I want you to notice he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to his disciples. What are you arguing with them about? What's going on here? Now, Jesus sometimes uh, does more teaching with his questions than with his answers. As a matter of fact, Jesus asks a lot more questions than he does answer a lot of questions. Sometimes the right question at the right time brings something great. What are you arguing with them about? A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit and has robbed him of speech. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. So in other words, he said, I brought my son who has this demon and your disciples couldn't drive him out. It turned out to be a huge argument. And my son needs help. Jesus just asked, what are you guys arguing about? Why didn't you get this guy some help? We couldn't drive it out. It turned into a big argument. And so Jesus in that moment says this, you unbelieving generation. Notice he's not speaking to a father that needs help for his son. He's speaking to his disciples. You unbelieving generation, how long do I have to stay with you? How long am I gonna put up with you? It sounds like a lot of things my mom used to tell me. 18 years seems like a prison sentence putting up with these kids. <laughs> Some of you are like, is he the real pastor? Yes, I'm sorry. The new guy will be here next week. Uh, this is as good as it gets. Bring the boy to me, Jesus says. So they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. And I want you to notice this next scripture. It says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus takes notice of what the man said. If you can, if you can. And Jesus tells him, anything is possible for him who believes and immediately the boy's father exclaimed, and I want you to take notice of this scripture because we're gonna spend the next few weeks just digging into the meat behind this incredible statement. He says, I do believe, help my unbelief. Notice this, this is an extremely important scripture. I do believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. So it, it's obvious through the scripture that Jesus has taken this boy and his father away from the arguing crowd and asked about the boy, drives the spirit out. And in the moment of driving that spirit out, doesn't just take care of the father's wishes, but he gives him something greater than just the demon coming out. He gives him a faith moment, a challenge. And the honesty in that moment has intrigued me. And I think it's something that speaks right here to our church and to every believer watching today because each of us has those moments where we can say in all honesty, I do believe, but help my unbelief. So I wanna give you three things as we're pushing on uh, with this today that will help us to understand uh, how God sees us, how to respond in desperate situations, how far honesty really goes with God, and to come to this moment where we say, okay, Lord, I need to be real transparent with you because I do believe, but help my unbelief. 
I think there are some believers in this place today that need to be honest before the Lord in order to be able to take their relationship with God to the next level. We get stuck. And this is what Jesus does to a desperate father in this situation. So notice in this story, there's a ton of conflict. There's the crowd. Uh, there's desperation. There's also uh, an environment of embarrassment. Because think about what happens when your child starts, stops, starts, starts acting up in front of everybody and all your friends and your, your coworkers and people that are in your community throws himself on the ground. You're like, my kid did that in Walmart yesterday. Like, I, I understand. Like, he's 14, he does that. <laughs> Let me take you to a scripture called Spare the Rod, Spoil the Ch-. I'm just kidding. Or am I? I wanna give, give you three things. If you're a note taker, you might wanna write this down because these are three truth statements that I will say to you on behalf of myself, let me speak for me, and then ask you, can you see this in yourself? So number one, I want you to see this about myself and, and maybe you can be honest uh, in God's house and say this, this is me as well. Number one, uh, my faith in Jesus has some big gaps. My faith in Jesus has some big gaps. Now notice that, uh, that this father is not lacking of faith. He says, I do believe, help my unbelief. If he didn't believe that Jesus could heal his son, he wouldn't have brought him to, him to him in the first place. So there's a measure of faith that's happening here that he even gets to the place where he's asking Jesus for help. Of course, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'll get it one of his disciples to do it. They can't do it. It ends up being an argument. And in this moment, he says, look, Jesus, I brought him. They couldn't do it. Maybe you can. So he brought him in the faith that he had. And a little bit of faith was taken from him. It just gets worse. If you can do anything, Jesus, help us. I think that's interesting because he doesn't deny Jesus' power but he's not sure if, it, if it's really good for me. Let me say this, uh, I'll, I'll put it on the screen so you can see this. I believe Jesus can do it for others, I'm not sure if he'll do it for me. You ever been there? I believe he can do it for other people. I believe that when I pray for someone, I believe God can help them or I wouldn't, I wouldn't pray in the first place. When somebody says, hey, my mom is sick, would you pray for her? Like, sure, I'll pray for her. I believe that God can help your mom. But yet when I'm walking in this situation, I'm not sure if God's gonna really help me. There's some gaps there. I believe, help my unbelief. I think for some of us, Jesus is, show, is exposing areas of weak faith, and I wonder, what are yours? If you were to be honest today, what would you say, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief? What, what are those things in that unbelief part? I think all of us as believers today, you have a measure of faith. That's the reason why you came to church. You came here today on a Sunday morning because you're a believer. Like, I believe that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sins. I believe that there is a heaven. I believe that there is a hell. I believe that there is a God that sent his son to die for me. I believe God has my eternity secure. But on this unbelief side, I don't believe I can trust him with my finances. I will trust you with my eternity, but my money's mine. Nobody? There's not a lot of amens on that one. That's okay, that's okay, that's okay. I'll move to something else. I won't step on your toes. I, I believe that God can heal people but I want to take control of my kid's life. Nobody? Just me? I believe that God can do amazing things when I pray, but I don't want him to deal with my offenses. Oh, there we go. Okay, we're finally there. <laughs> finally there. All right, we can find some common ground. 
Here's the thing, I believe that God can forgive me when I ask him, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins, but yet I really wanna hold on to the things that people have done to me. That's mine. I really believe that you can save me, I believe that you can heal me, but this money, I, I can't do that. I, I only have this amount and, and I don't want you messing with it. I certainly can't give any away. We'll trust God with our eternity, but there's a faith issue when it comes to our finances or our children or offenses. You have those gaps. I believe, help my unbelief. And here's the great news about Jesus today. I wanna put it on the screen so you can see it. Jesus will always ask us for a little more faith than what we're comfortable with, and that's a good thing. This is the beauty of a relationship with Jesus that he's constantly pushing you to give me the thing that you haven't given me yet. Take me into this place that you haven't submitted to me, you haven't surrendered, you've, you've, you've got the belief part down, let's, let's add a little bit more here. This is called maturity. This is the process that we call sanctification, where God begins to pull things out of your heart that don't belong and says, would you submit this to me? I believe, help my unbelief. It's a different world when it begins to begins to put its finger on that sensitive area of your life. Because each of us have those areas. I believe God can do these things. I'm not sure if I can give this part to him. But I love the honesty of this man as he brings his son to Jesus. The desperation in this moment pushes him to a place of honesty. I do believe, help my unbelief. If you can help me, whatever you can do, I'll take it. The honesty in that moment shows me something about myself. Let me say it this way. Uh, come to Jesus in the faith that you do have, not the faith that you pretend to have. Give him what you do have in honesty. Lord, I have a hard time trusting you here. If we can just do that today, you will leave here better than what you came. But if you can't be honest about the areas of your heart that you haven't submitted to him, then there's not a whole lot we can do here. My faith in Jesus has some big gaps. And if we're being honest, I know what they are. And I feel the Holy Spirit dealing with those issues in my life. Can you do the same for yourself? My faith in Jesus has some big gaps. Here's the second thing I wanna show you. Um, my unbelief thrives in bad environments. My unbelief thrives in bad Environment. So he's brought his son to his disciples. The disciples couldn't do it. And there ends up being a huge argument. And Jesus walks into it and says, you unbelieving generation. I, I ain't staying with you. I'm going over here. I, I'm not even staying around that. Why? Because there's a little boy that needs some help. And you guys have missed the point. You're arguing over who's right and whose fault it is, who's to blame, and you're missing the point. Do you see this? Is this okay? You still with me? And I wonder how many times do we get into a place where something bad happens and we'll spend more time blaming each other and blaming God and missing the point. We start arguing with each other. You ever have, a, have an issue and you end up arguing with someone else and forget what the point is? Like, wait a minute, here's the situation. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. We've got to get some help here. Jesus says, it's a faith issue and you're worried about being Right? Bring that child to me. And looks at his disciples like, you unbelieving generation. Am I gonna have to do this for you? Come on. You're busy arguing about things that don't matter, about whose fault it is. And notice the father says, look, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't help him. So maybe you can do something. If you can, 
if, if I can. Why don't we step outside? In this moment, instead of arguing, they find help, but it takes honesty. And this has been the plan of the enemy from the very beginning. Um, it'll get us arguing, blaming each other, and the faith goes out the window. We saw this with Adam and Eve. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. The serpent's like, hey, I'm a talking snake. What do you expect? We have a joke that we say around here. If Adam and Eve would have been Cajun, they'd eat that snake, and this whole thing would be different than the way it turned out. But they end up blaming each other. Where honesty was the key. Let me say it this way. Arguing with people doesn't bring faith into spiritual situations. It only brings accusation and blame. Accusation and blame. Your faith will not grow. The disciples couldn't heal him. I I found this to be true that when I can't trust God, I'll blame people. And I wonder how many times in churches we end up arguing over who's right and who's wrong and miss the point. We need faith, we got arguments. We need faith, we get arguments. We need faith, we get arguments. We get blame, we get accusation, and we need a faith. We just need Jesus. There's desperation, and we got a good argument. And my unbelief thrives in bad environments. Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, how long do I have to stay with you? I'm out. Why does he say that? Because environments matter when faith is needed. Multiple times in scripture, you see Jesus take the person that needs a a healing hand and removes them from the crowd. Jesus is not about the show. He's about the person. He says, I gotta get you away from this negativity, get you away from the hype, and just have an honest conversation with you. Environments matter when faith is needed. I wonder uh, how many of us would agree with that today. Like I need, I, need a, I need a move from God and I, I need a change of environment to help foster this, this, this time of faith. And in that moment, I think some of us will do exactly what others have done. So yeah, I need to change this environment. I need to get away from this relationship. I need to get out of my marriage to change the environment so that I can grow with God. I need to change churches so I can grow with God and not realize that, wait a minute, the environment is you. And you're gonna take this with you wherever you go. Let's start with honesty And then ask the Lord, okay, how can I just get along with you, just me and you? Because instead of blaming people for why you can't get a touch from God, start being honest and saying, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. And can you surround me with some people that are faith-filled that can help me understand what's happening and get me to your presence? So many times in scripture, you see the faith of people that, that changes situations. I believe that we can get around some high faith people who are more concerned with Jesus moving than being right. Right. We just need a touch from God. It doesn't matter who's right. It doesn't matter who's wrong. We need Jesus. Environments matter when faith is needed. I remember um, one time I was leading in a night of worship and it's a a powerful move of the spirit. And at the back of the room, my friend friend Dennis was there. And Dennis's story is completely different than, than, um, than anything I've ever heard or experienced. Dennis is a big guy. He's a big macho man. And he was taking some clients of his business out on a hunting trip one time. And uh, he woke up that morning to take them out hunting and he couldn't move. He was paralyzed from the chest down. Some bacteria was, uh, had some strange bacteria that attacked his spinal cord and he woke up paralyzed. 
So they rushed him to the hospital, performed a ton of tests, and they said, we don't know if you're ever gonna walk again. It's a freak accident. Um, But here he was in uh, his late 40s, early 50s, and completely dependent upon this tiny wife to get him from place to place in this wheelchair. And I remember watching as a Sunday after Sunday, they would come to church and this little woman would push him in a wheelchair across the parking lot and thinking, man, it's hard to watch this situation and your heart not go out to them. Like, Lord, can you help them? And we laid hands on Dennis. We prayed for Dennis, but I never saw uh, anything uh, uh, happen until that night of worship. I remember there's no one praying for Dennis, but the environment was full of faith. And we're charging and people are worshiping. We'd been fasting and praying leading up to this time of worship and God was moving and it was powerful. I remember looking back at Dennis and I watched his hands raise and I'm like, uh, does anybody notice what's going on here? But I'm, I'm still worshiping and going, I'm like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? We launch into the next song and Dennis stands up out of his wheelchair and starts moving. One of the most incredible things I've ever seen that didn't happen with somebody laying hands didn't happen with people uh, having some big telethon of prayer around the world. It happened in a faith-filled environment where he took a step and he stood up. Environments matter when faith is needed, not accusation and blame of whose fault is it. And you see several times in scripture where people came and asked Jesus, whose fault is it that this person is like this? Well, how did this come to be? Who's, who's to blame? And Jesus is like, no, 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 this is for the glory of God. You're busy looking for somebody to blame. I'm here to deal with the situation. So if we can be honest today, my unbelief thrives in bad environments. And if I can get honest with the Lord and get alone and spend some time with him and maybe gather some people around me that are full of faith, real prayer warriors, things can change. But it takes me being honest about where I am with God. I do believe, but help my unbelief. Here's the third thing I wanna wanna show you. Not only does my faith in Jesus have some big gaps, and I think yours does too, not only does my unbelief thrive in bad environments, but if we're gonna be honest today, number three, my prayer life could use a little help. My prayer life could use a little help. Now, at the end of this chapter, the disciples approached Jesus and said, hey, you remember when you you called us an unbelieving generation? Remember when you called us out and made fun of everybody? Remember when we tried to cast out a demon and we couldn't do it? And remember how you got got really upset at us a little earlier? Remember that? Why, why Why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus says, wait, this kind only comes out by, somebody say the next three words, prayer and prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. It's no wonder that just a couple of chapters later, the disciples look at Jesus and said, hey, teach us to pray. <laughs> because what we think prayer is and what you do is different. Teach us to pray. It's interesting when Jesus says this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. There's a fantastic Greek word that we translate into English as, as prayer, and, but it really changes the definition when you understand what that word means. The word is prosyuke, which doesn't just mean talking to God. The word prosyuke in the Greek language means an exchange of wills. An exchange of wills. So this kind only comes out when there's an exchange of wills. The father said, I need you to help my son. Jesus says, I want to increase your faith. There's what you want and there's what I want for you. I wonder how many times do we go to the presence of God and give him our will 
and not realize that there's a whole other half of our prayer life missing where God says, what about what I want in you? What about what I can do through you? What about what I can do in this situation? So whatever it may be where you, where you find yourself today, maybe you're in a place where life has been great, you're finally healthy from the COVID, you're finally in a good mental health space, you're finally in a good place where your, your family's back together again, you've, you've got your job back together again, and you're, you're somehow able to pay the gas prices. Maybe you're finding yourself in a really, really good place. Let me say, this is a great time to evaluate your prayer life, a great time to look back over what you've come through and say, okay, has these, has these things that I've walked through exposed good things in my life or some some big gaps in my, in my faith walk. Has it made me better or has it revealed something that I'm like, I'm, I'm not too proud of that. I didn't do very well. Because if we can be honest today, there's a fantastic starting point of God doing incredible things with the rest of our life. Where am I at? Where are the gaps? What are the areas of my life that I haven't fully submitted to the Lord? And what is he challenging me with today? It's one thing to say, Lord, okay, here's my situation. Here's where I'm at. Here's my need. It's another thing to say, Lord, what do you want to do in me and through me in this situation? Let me say it this way. Uh, I will pray for God to change the situation and allow him to use the situation to change me. So when my daughter was 11, uh, she got sent home from school. She had gone to the nurse to do the, the eye exam that they do at that age. And the, the nurse in her home said, something's really, really wrong. I'm not sure what this is, but you need to go see an eye doctor. We saw an eye doctor and the eye doctor's like, hey, something's wrong, we need to refer you to, to someone else. And when they keep referring you to, from one specialist to the next specialist and they won't really tell you what's wrong, you know that it's something bad. And so our, our senses are getting heightened and alert, like what, what, what are you not telling us? And finally we started seeing some specialists and the specialist said, hey, look, there's, there's only two possibilities and neither one of them are good. What we're looking at is, is probably a brain tumor putting a lot of pressure on, on her optic nerve and um, that's, that's not a good thing. We're not sure if it's operable or if it's not operable, but we gotta get in there and run some more tests and figure out where this thing is and how bad it's gonna be. When you hear news like that, um, it's an opportunity for your world to fall apart, which it, it probably will, or for you to say, okay, Lord, I can't handle this because I'm daddy and I can fix pretty much anything, but I can't fix that. I don't know how to meet her needs. I don't know how to explain to her what's happening I don't know how to explain to her why we're treating her different. But in those moments, let me just tell you this, you've got some choices to make. Can I pretend like nothing's happening or can I get honest and say, okay, God, I need some for real help. Some for real help. We began to talk to, um, to some people on the phone and, and, and by the way, when you call people that, 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 that you know, um, really touch the heart of God, it changes everything. Because I didn't just call casual acquaintances. I didn't call people that have a, a decent walk with God. I called like the real deal. The people that you have on speed dial that you call them like, hey, no time to talk. I need you to pray. I need you to pray right now. Here's the information. That person's like, hold on a second. Boom. You know, I need, I, need, I need real prayer warriors. Not the people that are like, oh, I'm praying for you on Facebook. I don't need that. I need like for real, for real prayer. Somebody say amen. Like for real. And so you start calling people that you know are the real deal, that you've seen the fruit in their life, the fruit of their faith, the people that you know when they pray, stuff happens, mountains move, chains break, walls come crumbling down, cancer shrieks, people get up out of wheelchairs, those kind of people. You don't call the fake ones. I said, we need some real help here. 
And my wife and I began to fast and to pray and to fast and to pray, fast and pray. And we're like, man, this is one of the toughest things we've ever had to do because to this point, I've surrendered a lot of my life to Christ, but not the health of my children. That's different. That's a soft spot. I remember the Lord beginning to do stuff through this situation that I couldn't learn any other way. Learning how to trust God when it hurts and when it has nothing to do with you, but your children, that's different. It's different. That was a gap in my faith life. And the Lord was speaking so gently to me. Do you believe I can help? What's my will in this situation? So we finally saw one of the world's leading specialists and they ran a ton of tests and and there's that awkward moment where you run all the tests and he's like, okay, I'll I'll be back with you in in six or seven minutes. He comes back in with this chart and he's reading all through it and you're just thinking, okay, God, (laughs) right now, like if I could pray silently in my my mind in tongues, I'd just be, I'm going for it. Like, help me, help me, Jesus. He finally says, look, I, I see nothing wrong. Everything that we thought was there is gone. I'm not sure what that is, but... You can see there's nothing there. I'm like, wait, nothing like in her head because that's, that's genetic. Like that, I, that's from me. <laughs> He's like, no, it's, there's a healthy brain there. I'm like, okay, that's, that's from her mom. That's not from me. He's like, get your little girl a pair of glasses. Send her home. She's fine. I'm like, wow. Wow. Remember walking out of there thinking, Lord, not only did you take care of what I asked for, but you gave me what I really needed. I need a new level of faith. Faith that I was gonna need to come and pastor this church. Faith that I'm gonna need when you're walking through something and you need somebody that really does mean it when they say, I'm praying for you. When someone comes and brings me their needs and says, I'm not sure, pastor, if you can understand. Now you know some of my story. I I get it. I've been there. I know what it's like when you're like, Lord, change the situation and then use this situation to change me. I wanna challenge you this week to think about the areas of your life that you haven't given over to the Lord. Where you can honestly say, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I don't believe that you can change my boss's heart. I don't believe that you can make this work in my business. I don't believe that you can do more with my finances than I can. I don't believe that you can take care of my children better than I can. That's, that's a sore spot for me. What are those areas for you? Because if we're being honest, that's the Holy Spirit's challenge for you today. Can you be honest about where you are? We've all got them. We've all got new areas of faith that the Lord wants to push us into. And please hear me, that's a good thing. That's because he's a good father and he loves you. I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes as we're finishing up. I want you to pray a prayer with me that I think is a powerful prayer. And it's simply this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are the gaps in my faith? What are the areas of my life that I have not trusted you with fully? Is it my job, my career, my future, my children? Is it offenses? Man, I hear the Holy Spirit speaking really strongly about offenses. Somebody hurt you, somebody said something wrong, a pastor did something. The Lord's saying, I've forgiven you of a lot. Can you give that to me today? What? Is your faith step? Is it your finances? Maybe you've never trusted God by honoring him with the first and best of your paycheck. I wanna encourage you, if you've never done that, that's your faith step today. 
Maybe you've never gotten into a group, never gotten involved in church, afraid to get honest with anybody else or to build real strong relationships. That's your faith step. Maybe you've never served before. It's always been about you. You've never allowed the Lord to help you to serve someone else. That's your faith step. God's called you to make a difference and you can't do that by staying stuck Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that today you would speak to every single person that's willing to listen. For every person that's being honest as they're searching themselves and allowing you to search them, Father, I pray that they would say, okay, Lord, I hear you. I see what you're saying. And my answer is yes. I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help me. I pray for those that are walking through a difficult season. Lord, I pray that right now you'd begin to move. And if you're not changing the situation, Lord, then change them through the situation. But be glorified in it all. Father, would you move, help, strengthen, heal, deliver. Speak, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today or maybe that you're watching online, I wanna just invite you to have a good moment of honesty before the Lord and say, if, if I'm gonna be honest, I don't really have this whole God thing worked out. I don't know if I've ever really asked Jesus to be my own personal Lord and Savior or to forgive me of my sins. I'm not sure if I've ever done that. If you're gonna be honest with yourself and you say, I really am not sure, Pastor, then I wanna help you to take your first step today. It would be my greatest honor. You may say, how do I do that? I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me. I'll tell you what to say. You can pray out loud. You can pray in your heart. It doesn't matter. The most important thing is that you believe it. What do I pray, pastor? Let me help you. And the prayer goes like this. Say it with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came, died, rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart, be my boss and my savior. I give my life to you right now. Thank you for what you did for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you just prayed that prayer, I would love, I would love to see you take the next step by maybe just lifting a hand. Say, that was me, pastor. I did it. I'm not ashamed, not afraid to say it. If that was you today and you prayed that prayer with me, would you lift your hand if, that, if that's okay? Just me and you. Good. If you're watching online, would you just say, I prayed today. And as a matter of fact, I'd like you to maybe take the next step. It's by text. If you'll text the words, I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT, we're gonna send you some things that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. It'd be our greatest privilege to help you on your faith journey. It's an amazing step that you've taken today and we are extremely proud of you. All right, Harvest family, would you guys go ahead and look up at me then stand to your feet. If you're watching online, would you do us a huge favor? Um, there's a button at the bottom of your screen that says share. And that means the world to us. If you would take this message that we feel like the world needs, let's have a moment of honesty. And if you would use your social media platform to, use, uh, to be able to use that to spread the gospel of Jesus, I think you'd be surprised what God can do through your story. I'm gonna invite our elders and their wives up here to the front to remain standing here after the service is over to pray for you about any needs that you may have. We believe that prayer changes things. Amen? Prayer changes things. If you have some prayer needs, type them in the chat. We'd love to pray for you. 
Let me bless you and send you out today. Father, I pray that you bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com slash give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.